Hello, 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 Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Shop their extensive collection of SC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club, and U.S. National Team gear. All your soccer merchandise, they got everything, including the new FC Dallas One Planet Parley jersey. One of the best ones of those they've had in years, to be honest. Uh, if you use the code Third Degree at checkout, you get 20% off your order. That's Soccer90.com. Th- code Third Degree, 20% off. Some exclusions apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to episode numbered 209, 209 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, tis me, Pitois, uh, and Dan Crook is still back home. Will he ever return from Luton as they march on hmm. towards promotion? I think it's possible he may not. We may never see Dan again. Oh, of course we will. Uh, so it's just me and everybody else's hero, Buzz Carrick, come in, Buzz. Howdy, Buzz. Hi, Peter. Since we're recording on Wednesday night and this won't air till tomorrow, happy Star Wars Day. May the fourth be with you. Ah, yes. Happy Star Wars Day. You know, I am being a good Star Wars nerd, and I am watching for the first time. I'm catching up on Rebels. Oh, just now watching that one? Yes. Uh, You know, I went through Clone Wars and got through that and uh, now recently started doing Rebels. I've been following one particular uh, super nerd's recommendation on an edited list instead of watching all of the episodes, just Mm. watching the the necessary ones. Okay. It turns out by the time you get to season three, it's essentially all of them anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I've been doing that and I got to say, Star Wars is a lot more fun when you watch all the content versus just the stupid movies. (laughs) What I would say about both Clone Wars and Rebels is that Clone Wars, but the last season of which is phenomenal, uh, Clone Wars really makes the Star Wars prequels much more digestible. It does. Because it fills in all the Anakin. I mean, he is in the Clone Wars. He is outright hateable by the time you get to the end of the Clone Wars show, I think. Yes. And then Rebels is also are really good because I really dislike that Edger Bridget character. I couldn't stand that little Pratt either at the beginning right. of that show. He gets better, but um, you know, I, uh, not to get all nerdy, but Sokotano is one of my all time favorite characters. And so I can't wait for that show. Yeah, that looks good too. So, okay, we well, should probably stop. That's talking enough. Star nerd. Wars. This is not a Star Wars pod. No, no, it's, the, <laughs> it's, it is our, it's, it's the burn pod is what it is, Buzz. Uh, all right. So we will get into, uh, Minnesota zero, Dallas zero in a, and in just a few minutes. But because that was such a massive turd of a soccer match, I thought we would start with the more exciting and interesting stuff, which was all of this noise that's been happening late about Alan Velasco and the fact that he now is even, I guess, commented on this and, and the idea that he's been linked with some. Some, uh, some sales back down to Argentina and Boca, and then the one that's even the most ridiculous idea, Brighton. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm. Look, I just, I'm, I'm fascinated to know where you land on this, Buzz, because I have some, I have a pretty hot sports opinion about this. Well, uh, thankfully, Alan finally talked to somebody who speaks Spanish, and you know, is I think it's an Argentina podcast, but 
he said Boca hasn't contacted him. That's good. Um, the I, He did say that he eventually was going to go to Europe. Well, of course he does. They all do. They all want to play at the highest level. That's perfectly fine. Um, he mentioned that he didn't think that Dallas had done paid for his transfer fee yet, which well, I would assume would be the case. You know, most transfer fees are not paid in lump sums. They're paid over time. Mm-hmm. Um, most things may not know that. When you, know, when you sell somebody for $20 million, you don't get a check for $20 million. It comes in over installments. Um, so, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that at some point – Alan Velasco will go to Europe. I don't know that England is ideal. I certainly don't think Brighton is ideal. Whether he could get a work permit or not is a massive, massive question because he does not play for Argentina. I mean, we're talking about Argentina, right? Getting into that national team is not easy. So you'll probably know a lot more about that than I do. I certainly would not think Brighton was the right club for him, and even if he went to England. But I can't see him going to England. That makes no sense to me at all. He's not that kind of player. He's a different kind of player. Well, I I think... Look, it's okay for Dallas fans to really like Alan Velasco, but I I also feel in the same breath, and maybe this is my hot sports opinion, there's no way Velasco is Premier League ready. He's not even the best player on on the team here in Dallas, and he's not a... He's not an all-star top 11 player in the league, and I'm not even sure he's one of the top five wingers in the league at this point. Yeah, he, he has a lot of growing to do still. Uh, you know, we've seen the last few games that certainly it's impactful when he's missing for FC Dallas, but that doesn't mean he's ready to go for a fee that will recoup what Dallas paid to get him. You right. know, it's, it's not, that's part of the equation too, is that he has to progress enough that Dallas will be making not just something because they're not looking to get rid of the guy. This isn't a uh, situation where they've had once t- time in the past where you're happy to get rid of him. This is a guy who's really good for you, even if he's not an elite player yet. You still want the price to be enough that you're like, okay, that's a profit of, I don't know, $4 million, $5 million. I'm ready to do it now. You know, so it, it's not as simple as somebody called, you know, he's under contract, so he, he's not going anywhere. Well, I, I, and I'll even go so as as so far, Buzz, to say I'm not even sure we're at the point in his time in Dallas that we can even all agree that they've gotten their money out of him. Oh, no way. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, they spent a lot of money on this kid, and I'm not saying he's been a disappointment, but he certainly hasn't. It's not like he came in and took the league over. No, and he and they've got him through 2025 under contract and an option for 26. So it's not like uh, at the end of the season he's leaving, so you better get what you can. Yeah. This is a guy who's going to be the core part of your team for three or four years until somebody shows up with a check that you can't turn down. But he's not at that point. There's, you're not, he's no. not even close to the point where someone's going to show up with a check you can't turn down for him. He, you know, he's he's too inconsistent and too undisciplined and not impactful enough in terms of pure game winning. Is he really, really good? Absolutely. But we're talking we're not talking about good. We're talking about here's $15 million. That's totally different discussion. Sure. And the yeah. only way you would want to sell him now for even anything close to what you paid for him is if you thought he was potentially a bust. And I don't think anybody thinks no. he's a bust, especially in the long term. So this is, you know, this was an investment. It was always an investment uh, and people should think of it that way. But uh, but when you see things in the social meds like the Boca and the Brighton stuff, you can dismiss it out of hand because he's just not there yet. And, yeah. And, Unless somebody wants to pay you $15 million now, then you're like, okay, go. <laughs> yeah. If, if somebody crazy falls in love with him and drops a crazy check because they're crazy and they can and they have Buku money, <coughs> <they're> like, <coughs> you 
yeah, Pepe. Or, you know, if Newcastle decides they want it for some reason, you know, somebody like Man City, somebody that has this crazy money that can afford a guy and can afford to overpay for a guy. But that's not likely. And it's certainly right. not Brighton. <laughs> I don't think, you know, yeah. so I, it's, you know, I'm sure, look, it's the silliest season, you know, coming up and it's starting a little early, which just tells you that you have some guys that are doing some good things that it's starting before you even get to that next window, which is like July. So, you know, we got three, two and a half months before it even opens. Okay. So where do you think this originates from? Because I think, I think a lot of people's reaction was, yeah, whatever. This is clearly Velasco's people putting this mm. out there. And, and, and so let's just run with that is let's just for the sake of argument say, okay, that's true. Why would they do that? Well, the, the first indications I saw of it was a radio show in Argentina that covers stupid radio shows Boca. And they were talking about players they thought could help Boca and the people on the radio show, like you and I said, Oh, Alan Velasco would be great. And so that's where the Boca stuff started. And then the Brighton stuff, I have no idea. I do know that agents will sometimes drop a name that they've had contact from that they have zero chance they're ever going to do anything with just because it like it can, it can make you, it's like when it's just exactly the same as when Bogart the other day dropped that thing about LA galaxy calling about Paul Areola because there's zero chance that that was actually real. FC Dallas probably laughed and hung the phone up. So it means nothing. Then it's really easy for him to drop that. So I'm sure the Brighton thing is the same way. His agent probably was like, oh, you know, hey, Brighton likes him, you know, because they're never in the way in hell they're going to Brighton. Can't get a work permit even if he wanted to go to Brighton. Yeah. So so a lot of times it's like that. Let me give the uh, FC Dallas Curious Fan a pro tip. Never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever listen to radio soccer hosts. They're just... <laughs> No. Full of hot air idiots, yeah. right? You're killing just, us, dude. Uh, yeah. uh, you're not a radio. I'm uh, 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 anyway. Uh, yeah. uh, well, uh, as we always say, you know, only one out of ten of these kinds of links is real, and even less of them actually happen. But it's fun to talk about, and it gets us all riled up, and it gives us a talking point. So that's fine. Podcast hosts, and, yeah. uh, and, and you should totally listen to and buy everything they say 100%. Radio guys, no, not so much. People That's that fine. actually get paid, don't listen to them. <laughs> right, don't, <laughs> don't ever, ever do that. And then the other thing that popped up, and this is the one that maybe there's something to it, but it also worries me greatly, is the idea that Watford wanted to throw their moose horns into Mr. <laughs> Jesus Ferreira. Yeah, uh, Watford and Jesus. Jesus can probably get a lot closer to getting a work permit. Now, I, you'll know better than me the minutia, and Dan will probably uh, be able to tell us. I gotta be. I would be shocked if he couldn't yeah. get a work permit. Right. I mean, it's it's based on a percentage of national team appearances, mm -hmm. and also like first team. So I think Jesus easily gets a work permit if he wants it. I don't know that Watford's the right fit for him either, but it does underline the fact that. People are aware of Jesus Ferreira. He was in the World Cup, and anyone in the World Cup is going to be aware on these teams' radars. Watford probably thinks he's more affordable than a lot of other options. Again, sometimes agents drop the names of the teams that are not in the mix that actually contacted at some point because it gets their their guy getting talked about. You know, Ferreira in the championship intrigues me. Uh, not because I think it would be a really incredibly difficult challenge in not a dissimilar way that it has been for Josh Sargent. Yeah. Uh, different positions, but I also think the physicality of that league is something that's been a challenge for both those guys, kind of the, the yeah. manicness of it. I, I, I think if I was to see Jesus go somewhere else, I think I'd like to see him end up in another country yeah. playing somewhere else, doing I, his thing. If I got a vote, I would say like mid 
you know, second tier Spain. Well, like a, I don't even know who that is anymore. Like a Real Vicano or a Valencia, N- not Barcelona, Madrid. Maybe Atletico even would be the top uh, of that second yeah. tier, perhaps. But again, yeah. he's he is same deal through twenty twenty five with the twenty six options. So you're not you're not getting him out of FC Dallas unless you come with a check that's just ridiculous. And and that I don't know if that's happening. Maybe it is. Yeah. You know, and if he wants out, maybe he's forcing the hand like you know some guys do. But um, you know, I again that that one's more realistic than I think the Velasco one, which is just silly. But I still don't think we're looking at that happening this summer by any stretch. I mean, it would probably have to be next winter at the earliest, and even that I don't really see happening. Would love if I could like a landing place for him. One of the better Dutch teams in the Dutch league, you know, I think would be interesting for him um, or Portugal. Uh, yeah, or one of the of mid-table sure. Bundesliga yep. teams, I think, would be great uh, for Jesus. But who knows? I guess. Yeah, we'll, I mean, if, we'll if he comes out of the back end of this season you know, leading the league or in the conversation for the golden boot. Again, it's for two straight seasons. Then you'll start to see maybe somebody coming in with the kind of checks we're talking about that would be able to get him. But you know, that's, that's about it really. All right. Well, it was inevitable. We had to get to this point of the pod, which is uh, the dirge of the last game for Dallas, which is, I think highly, uh, it was probably highly predictable. This would end up being in a low scoring, if not no scoring tie affair uh, based on how both teams play buzz but that didn't doesn't make it any less not entertaining than, yeah. than it turned out to be yeah neither one of these teams really wants the ball a whole lot they both uh, minnesota wants to sit and counter and they ended up getting almost close to 50 percent of the possession just because dallas doesn't really want it either dallas wants to transition quickly you know not necessarily bunker and counter but they would transition quickly which is different uh, we've explained that a couple of times so not two teams that are really um, functioning at a high rate. Minnesota can't score at home, can't win a game at home. Dallas plays to kill the game on the road. Um, that game, however, had some intensity. I think because Minnesota hasn't won at home and are so desperate to get a result there, they came out really intense. It almost had like a first up like a playoff vibe for the first 15 minutes, not in terms of quality, just in terms of like people really uh, going at uh, each other and going at the game and, and and not allowing any space or time. Um, you know, Dallas is still playing into form this season. They're not back to where they were at the end of last year by any means. So kind of a clunker of a game. Dallas really only had chances late, uh, you know, and they ended up with seven shots, which is not very much. And I think they only had two through about 70 minutes. It wasn't until they changed formations that they got a little joy. Um, Minnesota had a lot more shots, 17 at home. That's kind of reasonable, but they only managed five on goal, and I felt like I just never felt like they were with really danger. I mean, they ended up with an XG over one, but it didn't really feel like they were all that dangerous most of the time. So it kind of was a dull game in a lot of ways. Yeah, only a couple of. Uh, I guess there was the header. Uh, Load had that really nice dribbly run that if he had finished that, that would have probably been goal of the week. Yeah, it was uh, a good he, one. Yeah, uh, I think he, he and I think I thought I saw that he got the highest rating in the game of any of the players. He did. I mean, Martin Paz was really good. Had a couple of really good saves, but you know, like that Lod run was just about the one that only really the only one that scared me, honestly. Yeah, and so I guess, Buzz, uh, the question is, you know, based on this run that's been happening of late uh, with the club, and we, and I think, fair to say, the two of us, if and Dan, when he's been around, the three of us over the course of the last month, we've all been a little bit like, eh, you know, yeah. uh, we're like our temper, our temperature on the team is rather warm at this point. 
And this and this game didn't do anything no. to change that, I don't think. No, no, it did not. Um, uh, admittedly, like the last few games, the combinations of Velasco missing, the combination of combined with Jesus was out a little bit. Um, uh, Nicosa hurt, you know, um, there was a game Martinez was hurt about three games ago. So, you know, it's just like, it's just little things, you know, little inconsistencies. The offense isn't going gangbusters, but and the defense is just slightly worse than last year, you know, but again, a lot of that, I don't know what's going on. Like the whole league is actually a little off its game. I was reading a thing today. Doyle was talking about how um, goal, goal scoring is down, like across the whole league, uh, you know, this year. And I don't know whether it was the long off season because of the world cup being in the winter or, or what's the deal is. I, you know, I, I talked to coach today and COVID. he said, it's COVID. It could be. Yeah. It's a little late for COVID. I talked to coach today and he, he agreed. He even was making the point that like, you know, we're really not up to where we were last year. We're still, we're just now starting to play the way I want to play, you know, just now starting to get in a little bit, not even the whole game, mind you, just little chunks of it. You know, like he was talking about how the first, 15 of that game against Minnesota, it was really rough, but then they kind of found themselves and got it going a little bit in the second half of the first half. And then, and then early in the second half. So they got playing the way they want to play, but then even then it didn't result in real opportunities. Um, it's just not clicking on all cylinders. And I, and I think like this team is not good enough that when you take a piece out, it all works. Like Velasco is an example. He attracts so much attention from the from the defense like when he's just running around they're 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 keeping an eye on him when he's not in there you don't have to keep an eye on the people that are replacing him Obron. like you can just well i i, I also think that that's two parts to that story one is is the absence of velasco and it's the addition of Obreon. well this was actually for Obreon one of his better games he was only offside one time <laughs> I know it seemed like it was like eight times, but like if you did a stat, I went and looked like if you do a stat comparison with him and Paxton, he actually was better than Paxton in almost every phase of the game, statistically speaking. So I'm not saying that you're not right, that generally speaking, Obreon is nowhere near the player Velasco is, but of his games, this one wasn't particularly horrible. This one was just meh. You know, the whole team was bad, not just Obreon. Well, uh, all right. Well, fair enough. It's still Oberon. It's, you know, it's, yeah. if you had to choose, you're always going to take Allen over Oberon, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, 10 out of 10. Of course. Okay. I'm not saying that. I'm, I, I'm not, you know, there's a, there is a point at which you have to expect the guys on the bench to not be as good. You know, the only problem fair. with Oberon is that he's, there's the lack of cohesion in the team concept and that he probably is a little bit higher paid than you might like for a backup, but it's not like he's Frank O'Hara 3 million backup you know, it's somewhat reasonable that he is who he is, given that he's not a starter here anymore. That doesn't mean you're not going to get rid of him. I'm just saying that, you know, that's not. Uh, Tafari obviously didn't play in the game. He's been injured, and we'll talk more about that, what you learned about him today. I just, you know, we've been uh, we've been very concerned and focused on the center back situation with Ivy yeah. and uh, Mr. Martinez back there. Any thoughts on that from this particular game? Yeah, particularly I was fascinated that um, Taylor Twelman, and I assume he actually got this from the other team's coach, that the that Minnesota came into the game with a press trigger on Ibiaga. So basically when the ball went into his feet for possession, that was one of their triggers. So that's indicative of the fact, generally speaking, Dallas cannot play out of the back very well. Pauses, as we noticed on Twitter, he's better than the average MLS keeper, but that's not saying much because his weakness compared to why he's in MLS and not Europe is his feet. 
And neither Martinez nor Ibby are great on the ball. Martinez is a decent enough passer and Ibby is an okay passer, but that's not the same as having the ball at your feet and making a decision about, do I touch and dribble and do I go into space or do I shit? Those are different things. Um, and so playing out of the back for this team is a little bit of a problem. Uh, and a lot of teams like to press now, including Minnesota. A lot of teams like to do to Dallas is a double thing. They press high and then they drop and block. They give you the middle part of the field and they make it hard for you up high and make it hard for you down low. So mm. that that press trigger anytime Dallas is going to give out the back, even when they have Nikosi, he's not as good a passer as Hedges was. So it's just it's just not something Dallas is really great at these days. Uh, to Amase back in the lineup. Um, I thought he was pretty good. I yeah. Mean, you know, to, to remember that he comes back. He's back in right now these days defense because of defensive play because of solidity, because Giovanni Jesus, Jesus is not dialed in on the team tactics and occasionally makes the wrong decisions defensively. And this coach is a big believer in that. So that's why he was in and he did a solid performance, I thought, defensively, because that's why he got back in. I felt bad for Emma uh, because uh, in the highlight package the league put out, the one highlight they put in <laughs> of his was him losing the ball and getting yeah. uh, getting the ball taken away for a, for a fairly decent uh, opportunity for Minnesota. I don't yeah, think it was indicative of huh? He wasn't flawless by any means. No, no, no. no. And so Junkwa got the start. Not far fan. Is that just a, a resting thing, Buzz? I, I think so. Uh, to me, Farfan last game, excuse me, last game looked really tired, and they really last season burned him out. And so it's really important that Junka plays a fair amount. And I was actually really pleased that you wasn't noticeable that he was in there, right? That it was relatively the same. You know, obviously, I think Farfan's a better player, but um, if you can get a guy in and have it be relatively undisturbed, which this was, it was a clean sheet. You know, I remember so. Yeah. Um, you know, solid game from him. Was this know. their first clean sheet on the road dating back to last season? Is that the record or is that uh, the stat? No, they had a didn't they have a clean sheet at Inter Miami like three weeks ago? Oh, they right. had a they okay. That out. was the first one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But Maybe that's, that's only the second one of the year. I mean, you would like before that they'd gone twelve or whatever it was. So that was the I think that inner game was in Miami. Was I think you're right. Check. Yeah. All right. And then the other thing, Buzz, uh, Mr. Cerillo made his return to the starting position. Uh, 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 and, I, you know, I'm sure you were delighted about that. Any thoughts on his performance? Well, he was super nervous for like the first 10 or 15. Um, I think some of that is, was just the pressure that Minnesota became hot uh, in the early going. Um, also, I've talked about Edwin before. He's a guy that needs a little – um, love from the coach and probably he was probably feeling unloved over not having started for two or three games or whatever it was. Uh, once he settled down, I thought he was actually quite good. Um, not great. We're talking, remember everything's in context. He's not going to be an all-star, uh, but I thought he was pretty solid. And then when they shifted formations, they brought Facundo in, but that was just about, um, I talked to the coach about that particular sub and that was just, you know, a fresh legs minute management, you know, Edwin hadn't started in a few weeks. You know, that that was all. It wasn't necessarily like Edwin was a bad kind of sub. There's a difference between a guy who's playing poorly and you yank him and it is versus just a management sub, which that one was. So let's take a minute and talk about Paxton, who has been starting regularly for the team. And I, I have a feeling we're into another Paxton Pomacall season where if you were just doing the standard highlight package eyeball scan test, you'd go, oh, he, you know, whatever. But I have a feeling that if you dig into the numbers like you did last year, you'd find out he's like killing it in all the stats. He's having a pretty good year. Uh, that We're waiting for the next phase of his progression, which is the thing Doyle pointed out, which is the 
the thing that would make him elite would be that last pass into the box that needs to be a scoring opportunity or an assist or a key pass. You know, there's just this final, it's honestly always been a problem his whole career. And it's the thing we've been waiting forever for it to go overall. Yes. He's having a really good season. This game was a little flat for him. It wasn't as, as good as his games have been this year. Like I mentioned that Palm, that O'Brien was better than him in almost every stat, but you know, again, you also went to a late on, you went to a flat four, you know, so he was a little more isolated in that situation. You know, he's, he's, he is who he is. Is the uh, example of the final pass into the box uh, is a good example of that. The pass that he attempted, I think to Obreon that was behind yeah. Obreon. Yeah. There's just, I, I don't know whether it's because he's now aware of it, but um, for some reason he, when he gets that last touch in the box, when you want to lay it off, he's just, I don't know, slightly off or takes one touch too many or hesitates for a split second. Yeah. And you just end up with, you know, and it, it's not, it's, it doesn't make him a bad player. It's what makes him not be an elite player. It's the reason he's still here. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if he, if he, if he played the way he plays and added 10 assists a year, you're not asking him to be like a playmaker and hit like 20 or anything like that. You That's just why want he's not like, getting linked to Brighton. Right. Yeah. There, there's no one looking to buy Paxton because he doesn't have eight, nine, ten assists a year. Right. You know, yeah. out of a linking eight, that's what you would want. He's not De Bruyne. You're not going to get 20. He's a linking eight. You're going to get, you know, but you'd like to get eight, nine, ten instead of like two, three, four. So that, that's all. And how about the continued season of the team Bachelor? You mean uh, Legit? Well, yeah, duh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't keep up with these shows. Um, uh, you know, he—it's the same to me. I just, I just get this over. He probably wouldn't say this is true, but I watch him play, and it feels like he's just playing in the game. You know, he's just there. You know, I don't, I don't see like a fire. You know, I, I, I don't know that it's necessarily. I don't blame him if it's, if it's all the personal stuff. I can't help but think that like not making the world cup. Not that he was super close, but that was like, that was his last shot at like the national team. Really? Mm-hmm. He didn't get that. You know, now he has the off the field problem. He was supposed to be in the best shape of his career. And then he got hurt like three times in the spring and missed all the games. You know, as you get older and he is 30 now, you know, you don't recover as quickly. It's harder. You know, you get, you get knocked and it takes longer to recover. I, I don't know. He's just really flat to me. And I, and I can't, but so is Ariola. So it's like, it's, I don't know that it, uh, I can really put my finger on what's going on with either one of them, other than like those two guys being out of sorts is a big contributor to why Dallas as a collective is out of sorts. So here we sit after 0 0, and Dallas still remains fourth yeah. in the Western Conference. <laughs> um, uh, and, yeah. um, and so pff, I just, it's, it's weird because I, I again we feel like I think our vibe is is that the season hasn't been all that great, but they're still in a really good position uh, for the season. And this leads into a tweet that you got earlier today, Buzz sent yeah. to you uh, from at Colossal Patty uh, that asked us to do the following. Anyway, you guys can do a discussion on the state of MLS and teams in and around Dallas and the standings. I think it's worth discussing. Many Dallas fans feel the team hasn't hit the stride yet and took a step back, but other fans in the league have Dallas at seven through 12 in their rankings. Uh, and then she followed that up with maybe the better question is what about Dallas has them propped higher in the eyes of other fan bases? Well, the, the answer to that question is basically their ability to get results. 
you know, you, you have to remember that Dallas is coming out of last season, having finished relatively high in the West. And the way this team plays on the road, like last year, they, they, I think they had their second lowest number of road losses all time, you know, which shows that they go on the road and they get points, whether it be ties or even occasionally wins. Right. Right. And then at home, Frisco at home, you know, last year they hadn't lost a game at home in like 19 or 20, you know, and even though you were not getting the shutouts at the beginning of this year, you're still, you're rarely getting blown out of the water. So you're almost always in every game. You can defensively stifle almost every team you play. You got one or two guys that can be when they're on can be difference makers up front. That allows you to grind out points. And that's why Dallas is what we, what I use affectionately call the best of the rest, right? When we look at the Western conference, for example, those top three have separated themselves, particularly in goal differential. Then there's this pack of teams that are on a, you know, zero, one, two, three goal differential. Well, Dallas of those teams is able to turn those things into results. So it's the combination of relative defensive uh, stability and relatively good finishing efficiency allows you to get points. It makes you better than the teams behind you. It's not sexy. And we know that the defense this year is not quite as bad as last year. And we know the offense is not quite as good as last year, but it's still quite early. And that same is true of everybody in the league. So No, it's the defense is a little worse than last year. Oh, did I say? I you meant, said not as bad I, as last year. No, yeah. no, yeah, I'm sorry. It's not as good as last year. It's slightly worse than last year. Both things are worse than last year. <laughs> That's what I mean to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, the other thing I would say is don't forget, Dallas finished third in the West last year. Yeah. So for us to say they don't feel like they're as good as last year doesn't mean we think they're a not a playoff team like 10th or lower. I think other people having them somewhere between 7th and you know, I think anything lower than ninth is probably not very realistic. It just doesn't feel like they're the fourth best team in the West right now. Yeah. But to your point, Buzz, I think you're right. They are kind of the best of, at least they've earned a position of best of the rest. I don't really know how good San Jose or Houston are. I don't think Minnesota's all that great, but they've also been kind of, they've been better on the road than they have been at home, right? Yeah. So uh, I, that really becomes a, a, a byproduct of just how, this this entire league is just built on parity, and Dallas is just one of those teams that kind of sits in the middle at this point. So, yeah, I don't think there's, I don't think that we on this particular podcast have them. I hope nobody comes away from us having this conversation about how we don't think they're as good this year translates into them being something like the Galaxy or <laughs> or, or, or Sporting no, Kansas no, City, like no. that, or. Or Austin, you yeah. Know, it, it, it's just they're not that bad. They're just not as good as they were last year. Yeah, they're they're clicking along at one point five points per game, which is perfectly reasonable. That's the middle pack. You know, again, it's the ability to translate the your your play into production, which they do really well. And you remember that that people believe in FC Dallas because they now have done this for two straight seasons. This isn't a one season aberration where they've like like Houston, for example has a similar kind of points per game number, but they did, they were absolutely horrible last year. So nobody really has any faith in them, what they're doing. Whereas you look at Dallas and you go, oh, they did it last year. Look, they're doing it again this year. Okay, we believe that they're as good as the, their record says they are. You know, And we've talked about Dallas is still rounding into form and they're still trying to find that form of last season, slightly worse on both ends. So is everybody else. Everybody else in the league 
is slightly worse than they were last year, right. except for those very best teams. I mean, you can look at the whole middle pack, all those teams. Like if, if I, I don't, I don't watch them closely, but I watch them to, enough to know that the results are indicative of how they're playing. Everybody has these struggles right now, other than LAFC, Seattle, even St. Louis fell off. New England's doing really well. Cincinnati's doing really well. That's it. Like those four teams are good and everybody else is meh, you know, and the Dallas is of the mess is solid. You know, they have lots of good pieces. Again, this team always has the bonus of the homegrown players that keeps them above all the other average teams that don't have those that have to rely just on the draft and free agents. Dallas has that leg up. It always means they're going to be in the middle of the playoff picture, right below the elite teams. And also don't forget, we're ostensibly, just to kind of make a round number, a third of the way through the season. And yeah. everybody knows that you can carve Major League Soccer seasons into thirds. And uh, and it's, a, it's always a battle of making sure that two-thirds of your season are good. Because <laughs> almost everybody inevitably has one really crummy third of a season. And you, wanna, you just want to make sure that that crummy third isn't your final third. Um, yes. And for Dallas, you know, it's just trying to get through the summer. Uh, the summer months and the and the way the schedule is kind of playing out for them. So yeah, this year too, the May schedule is nuts. Yeah, the May yeah. schedule is nuts. I mean, they you know the St. Louis. We'll talk about St. Louis, but then the Open Cup game uh, midweek again. They have to travel to Nashville, and then they have to travel and three days later go to Austin and figure out you know how do they deal with that situation as 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 mediocre as Austin's been. You know they're going to be up for oh, that game. Yeah. Then Vancouver comes to town four days later. Then you turn around in three days after that, and you got to host Houston. So they've, and then San Jose comes to town a week after that, and then you got, you know, uh, Luch uh, ball. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, so it, it is an interesting month for sure, just it, mostly because you got the two Texas uh, Derby games mixed in there. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe a second Open Cup game if you can get past Nashville. On the uh, road. That's a tough draw. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And that would get probably when, when is that? Is that the one wedge next between Wednesday. the 20 and 27th? That's next week from right now when we're recording. The no, Nashville. no. The one after Nashville. Oh, the one after that. If they were is, to beat Nashville, when yeah, would that yeah. game be? The week of the 20th, 24th. I guess? The It'd 24th. be the 23rd yeah. or 24th, which are probably the 24th. Yeah. All Wednesday. right. So uh, it would. It is absolutely an interesting month lining up for Dallas. So which will take us, uh, Buzz, to this Saturday, which is the yep. big Hall of Sta Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, celebration stuff. It's that time of year for that to happen. Uh, St. Louis comes to town. St. Louis uh, was really the story of the season for quite a while until the shine has fallen off a little bit of late. Uh, they lost their last game, uh, but they come into down here in Dallas. Any surprises do you think coming up in the starting lineup? Well, uh, you have to talk about St. Louis first uh, and who they are. Like, Klaus is hurt, right? So I don't know when the whether he'll be available or not. He was out last game. Um, the injury report for this week has not been updated. So whether he's back or not changes the way they play. When they have him, they put a lot of crosses in the box. He's an old-school, big physical nine, um, like Connor Casey or what, something like that. You know, get in the box and knock a you little over. more refined than yeah. Mr. Connor well, Casey. I, I'm using it as style example oh, okay. of, of, <laughs> of, of uh, so people would know that name perhaps. Um, you know, so if he's there, then they're going to want to do a lot of crosses from the wings, and that might tell you you're going to want to kind of go with a wide sort of shape that might be like a four to try and get some guys out there to deny crosses. If he's not available, 
well, then they don't play that way. They then they then they play more narrow, and then the four through three makes more sense for Dallas. Either way, St. Louis is a press team, like an aggressive press team, like the whole game press team. They play what is called the Red Bull method. And I don't mean New York Red Bull. I mean, all the Red Bulls play this way. Um, every club they have plays the same system. Uh, and they play that same system. So it's a high-press team. Uh, like, for example, in training today, Dallas spent pretty much the whole day working on breaking press and line-breaking and getting forward at teams aggressively once you break press. So I am actually expecting a fairly intense game where St. Louis is going to come at you hard and try and turn you over. Obviously, that's a tiny bit of an issue because Dallas, as we've talked about, is not super great about playing out of the back. But again, they're working on it, so hopefully they'll be better at it. You know, they managed to get through the last game against the press without giving up a goal. So if they can do that again, that's, that's that'll be the goal. The idea behind the game is to not let St. Louis turn you over because that's where they get all their goals from. Uh, so in terms of play and who's going to play for Dallas, Nikosi is out probably for at least another week. And what's um, his injury again? It's a muscle injury. Uh, I don't know that they've said specifically. I think the original report was lower body muscle injury. So, <laughs> you know, it's like a hockey club. They don't want to tell you what it is. Um, so it's probably uh, – a coach said it's not severe. It was more precautionary than anything, except that today in training he was over on the side doing rehab work. So he's not – it's not like he's in possibility – Apparently he's out, out for this, this weekend. Um, now that's important. They're hoping to get him back for Wednesday, not to divert for just a second, which is the open cup game because people will have forgotten. Martinez is on a red card for the Kansas city game last year, in the open cup. So Martinez is out for Wednesday's open cup game. Ah, okay. So you really need Nikosi back for next Wednesday uh, if possible. Otherwise Nolan's starting at center back, um, but not to divert too far from that. So Nikosi's not going to be available. Velasco trained today. Um, they had him on a management thing where like he, they didn't allow him to go the whole game. They, they made him rotate in and out like every rotation, come sit out on the side. So if he reacts well, which I think he will, because he looked really good, I think he's available. So I don't think you risk a start, but I think you'd want to bring him in if you can off the bench. So uh, the questions are, you know, is, is Farfan back? Is... Uh, Giovanni back or does Tomasi keep a spot? Tumani played Tumasi played pretty well, but Gio's probably better dribbling forward maybe in a build out as long as he doesn't do that stupid pass thing that he so far hasn't done in a game. Um O'Brien probably goes again if Velasco can't go. The big question will be, you know, wh- which formation do you see the wider 442 or the narrow 433? Uh, again, I think it'll depend on whether they think that um, the dude from St. Louis is playing. So you're kind of, everything else will feed off of that. If it's the 442, then Jimenez is in with Jesus, you know, and then then you have Legette as a possible wide player instead of Obreon. If it's not, if it's the narrow, then it's, you know, uh, Jesus with Paul and Obreon and Legette's back in midfield with Paxton and either Abon or Facundo. Um, you know, there's actually multiple tactics and shapes at play and this coach really likes to tinker with the shape and the, and the personnel based on the opposition. So I think they're going to make a call on this thing really late in the week based on, you know, what the St. Louis injury report looks like. Yeah. The other thing is that it appears it may be, it is lining up to be another sellout. Again, the yeah. least discussed and covered uh, story going on in our sports scene uh, that needs more attention by our, our local media. Hint, hint. Um, 
is the fact that it should be an amazing night. And at the end of it, if this is so crazy based on everything we just had the conversation about Dallas's place and all of this and the kind of the vibe of the season, if Dallas was to win this game, they would be one point behind St. Louis, a team that I think all of us feel like have been having the most amazing season. <laughs> they were until a month ago. <laughs> and then the right. Came up. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just, it's just interesting how yeah. this all kind of shakes out as things uh, go on. It, so it's fascinating that we're at a point where Dallas is like averaging like this 18, 19,000 in attendance and is actually being limited by the size of the stadium. I can't yeah. believe we're oh. even having that conversation. I know. I mean, yeah. even last year, you couldn't have that conversation. It's incredible. I mean, f- full credit to the organization for all that. Yes, and it and it and it weirdly happened very quickly. You know, yeah. it's not like it's been creeping up that way over the course <laughs> no. of the last five six years. <laughs> it went from kind of half full stadium to nearly full stadium on a regular basis in a very short span of time. And it's um, fantastic. Yeah, it is great. And, of course, uh, Peter, I I preferred post COVID. Five of us there with you and me yeah. and nobody. But you know, that's <laughs> me being selfish. Yeah. 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 And that's that's no fun for everybody else. You know, this is my personal preference with nobody there, but you know, whatever. Uh for sure. Okay, yeah. so that uh, game coming up this weekend, seven thirty. The Hall of Fame stuff is all going on beforehand, uh and et cetera, et cetera. Go have a good time. All right, Buzz, you also did go out to training. Uh any and you've mentioned uh notes from training over the course yeah. of the last thirty minutes or so. Any other particular notes or comments? about training you wanted to bring up uh yeah I, I i something i've been wanting to tell it's not a story per se but like you remember last year for whatever reason uh training on wednesday was never open uh and i was annoyed by that it was always monday and wednesday and but monday's recovery day it's terrible tuesday's you know just not that good either and wednesday was always for me much better and so this year whatever for whatever reason like a month and a half ago maybe all of a sudden training was open on Wednesday and it's been open on Wednesday every day since. And I, and I, I know the answer isn't because buzz asked for that. I know that's not what the answer is. So I asked coach and he said that like, they've just decided that they like having the players have Monday off based on when they're playing. Of course it changes, mm-hmm. you know, but they're playing on Saturday a lot and Sunday a lot. So they're giving Monday off and, and it means that the Tuesday, Wednesday, and all, the other side of the coin is that's really awesome that I get to go to on Wednesday now, which is my preferred day. But also, I can't remember the last time I've seen somebody else at training. The last person I saw was John Arnold. And that was like a month and a half ago because he doesn't really cover FC Dallas full time anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, he only does it every once in a while. So that feels like it's a combination of the availability of the coach on the Zoom calls. I just don't understand why anyone else that does this doesn't go to training because I don't think it's particularly well, who fair. else does this? I mean, there's other podcasts around, I think still, or websites that are covering this team still, you know, I just think that like, if you're going to go come out and say, I think so-and-so should start or so-and-so shouldn't be starting or like they should do this. If you're not watching training, then you're just talking out your ass. You know, it's like, you need to be able to know, like, I know what I'm watching. I know what they're doing in training. That person is ready or is not ready to be able to play, you know, like, as much as I think so highly of Nolan Norris, for example, and there are times in training where he does things that clearly show his brain is at a whole other level. That doesn't mean I'm ready for him to start an open cup game on Wednesday, you know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I watch him train. I watch him play in practice. And that's not the same as playing for North Texas. He goes down to North Texas. He looks phenomenal. He go- that's not the same as being ready to play for SC Dallas when you see him in training all the time. So, you know, I just am constantly baffled that nobody else takes advantage of the fact that the sessions are open to media, that nobody goes. Maybe they go 
a different day every single week, and it's just total coincidence, but I find Well, it I think it's a byproduct of a few things. I think it's one, uh, the club's um, kind of running history with how they uh, deal with the local media. Um, two, I think it's, uh, I think it's also the fact that media staffs are smaller and they don't have the same number of people available to go out and dedicate them, dedicate time to a specific club like this, you know, I, yeah. and, but I will say this, if, if what is going on inside the stadium on game days continue and it becomes more and more clear that there is a market and interest in the a, a considerable interest in this club. I think that's the that's the first thing that really needs to happen to force sports media outlets in this town to dedicate more resources to it. I think they get away with not doing it now because historically the perception is is that the interest in this club in this market specifically is really really tiny. And I think you and I both know that up until recently has been true. It's growing yeah. and it's getting more considerable. Uh, but the first thing that needs to happen is they start to fill that stadium up on a regular basis. And yeah. that'll be the tipping point, I think, that causes uh, media outlets to at least feel like they got to do something more. Well, media it. is shrinking too. You know, papers yeah. are shrinking. You know, even radio and TV is shrinking. There's just not a lot of people that, that, and I know a lot of people have regular jobs and stuff. It's just, you know, there's so much available when you're out there at training, you know, like because I go out there, I get to talk to coach for like 10 or 15 minutes by myself yeah, rather but Buzz, than being on one question on a Zoom call. You know, but, it's just, but Buzz, you know. I, I would argue, I bet if you were to go around every major league club and take an accounting of how many people attend MLS training sessions with any regularity, I think we would all be shocked to find out the number is very low. Even, huh? You, you think so? Oh, I, I, oh, okay. yeah, I, I just, I, I think, yes, I, and, and maybe I'm completely talking out of my ass here, but even in, but even in a very popular city like Portland, Seattle, Atlanta, I, I I'm sure the numbers are greater than they are here in Dallas, but I don't think it's like there's a, a, a pile of people standing on the sidelines reporting on Atlanta United practice uh, day in and day out. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I've said this for a buzz. I've said this forever. I truly, truly believe that if you were doing what you do in another MLS market, like a Portland or a Seattle or an Atlanta uh, uh, or even a Kansas City to, the, to to that degree, I think you would the the profitability of what you do would be way off the charts versus what you're having to deal with in Dallas because historically over the time that you've been doing this here the team just hasn't been very popular in this town you, yeah, the work that you do specifically is so unique and so special and and frankly old school in many ways yeah that I think that people, uh, fans of other clubs would kill to have a Buzz Carrick and a third degree in those markets, and they just don't have it. Yeah, I guess I go back to the days of you know guys going to NBA shoot-arounds and, and the, the baseball guys that be at batting practice, standing by the cage and chatting up the players, you know, building those foundations. You know, that's kind of how I, I look at it, you know. But Yeah, look, anyway. you, you and I both know what you do isn't like, life-changing money right like it 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 it, it, no. it isn't you you can't make a living no. off of it right no. so not a lot of people can do or afford it a lifestyle and employment wise to do what you do right That's it's just true. you've finagled your life to be able to do this because it's a passion project for you not a financial windfall yeah. um, and i think that's why and that's part of the reason why you don't see a lot of this 
across the league is because it's just really hard to make money do th- to, to do this. Um, yeah, I guess that's my overall point is that like most of the paper, the papers that used to send reporters to training, they don't anymore. They don't No. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and nobody in radio would, of course, but even like, it's been a while since I've seen a TV station, you know, John Arnold used to be out there all the time when he was doing stuff with the striker and it was spilling over to the morning news, but that's gone away. So now he's not out there, you know, and we used to have Denise used to come out, you know, once or every couple of weeks or so, but she's not with us anymore. Of course, uh, rest in peace. But you know, it's just, um, it's funny that like that to me, it's funny that I was thinking about this today. I was struck. I was talking to somebody about it that like when I first started going to training, they literally want a grass uh, field outside of a school. It wasn't even a soccer field. It was just a f- field of grass, no locker room, one coach and two assistants, no trainers, no media guys, no equipment guys, you know, a couple of cones and some water. And then, and now it's, it's insane. This, the whole world is different in terms of soccer. This is a massive attention now. And on MLS, we're seeing these franchises get valued at in the top 20 in the world. And there's less media covering it than ever before because of the changing landscape of media. So it's just really ironic to me how, you know, now there's 15 coaches at every session. If you include things like the three or four training guys and fitness guys and health guys and nutrition guys and video guys and drone guys. And, you know, it's just ridiculous (laughs) how many people are out there at any given session. Well, you know, compared to when we started, but no media, (laughs) it was like just me. Buzz, listen to me. I mean this from me to you. You've known we've known each other for almost 30 years. At the beginning of this podcast, I do this throwaway bit where I say your hero, my hero, everybody's hero. And I, I, it's not really a throwaway. You are a hero, Buzz. Oh, and, and the reason why people love you and the work that you do is because you do this not for the money. You do it for the love of it, right? And, the, and, and what you churn out as a product that these people are willing to give you money for, I wish there was 100x that number of people. But it is unlike anything else I believe most any other MLS team gets. So you, well, thanks, uh, it, it, it's... It's 100% deserved, Buzz. You're doing the Lord's work when it comes to covering a Major League Soccer team. <laughs> hey, speaking you, of which, patreon.com slash third degree. <laughs> yeah. Every, yes. Sorry. If you pay Buzz money and you have friends that love this club, I would implore you to encourage them to do the same because – uh, there will, I, you know, uh, Buzz will always try his hardest to find a way to continue to do this as long as he can. I always worry that Buzz is going to get a better opportunity like he did that one period of time where he left town and moved to New Orleans and we lost Buzz for several years, right? Yeah. And that was a very barren time. It also happened to coincide when the club was really shitty, but yeah. <laughs> um, it, so it was kind of convenient. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but here we are at a time where the club is doing good things and playing better and things are going really really well I, I would hate for you to find a really good opportunity in another town and be challenged with this idea of well I can't make enough money to justify not leaving so again not to put the onus on the good FC Dallas <laughs> curious fan but yeah. seriously if you're going to the games and you're going regularly and you're following this club just throw a little something in Buzz's bucket it's so easy to do he totally dry. I get and just so everybody understands I get none of this. I do this because Buzz is my friend and I love talking about this club with Buzz. So he gets it. It's all his. Please continue to do that. There's my uh, PBS um, uh, charity drive. Well, I didn't mean to turn it into this whole uh, rant, but I I appreciate the love. I just was really struck today. 
it, it, like in some ways it felt like 98 all over again I, when is. I first went to training that there was nobody there for months at a time. I was the only one. I would go a month and a half before I would see somebody. And it was Keith Whitmore. The morning we sent him out. He's a big 12 rider. He didn't know anything about soccer. Yeah. No. It's a weird, it's yeah. a weird time, man. And, and, and some of it, uh, I think the long-term part of it is the fault of how the club has dealt with media relations in its uh, long-term run. Right. Especially after the hunts took over. Yeah. Uh, I think some of it's just the media landscape and a lack of, uh, I think, uh, I think today more than anything else, it's just that, Media outlets just don't have the the capability of doing it the way that we all wish yeah. they could. Um, so well, there you go. do you remember the not to get sidetracked? But do you remember the time you actually talked me out of shutting the whole thing down once? I don't know if you remember. It's right before we left the Warner News. Uh, we left instead. We went independent. That's basically yeah. was the decision. You talked me out of just wow, I just hit the mic. I'm closing the whole thing down. Um, but anyway, that's enough about that. Uh, one last thing from training. Shout out to Diego Hernandez who is an academy player I've been hyping up for a couple of years. He was in first team training today. So that, that was nice. He's a good player. He's been playing for North Texas lately. All right. Uh, moving on to something uh, completely different. I want to, I, I was thrilled that you did this. I was hoping at some point you would do this because we've had these conversations about this weird oddity that major league soccer throws out there, which, you know, in on the heels of them getting rid of their, um, Territory. What are they, the territory restrictions yep. uh, was this idea that, you know, Portland could come into the Dallas Fort Worth area and and recruit players for their academy from solar or Texans or whatever. Yeah, they can. With, yes, they can yeah. do that now, with the exception of the ability for each team to go within a radius of their marketplace and tag players that they get to claim as their own if these kids want to come play in Major League Soccer or related to that in any way, shape, or form. And there's a certain number of those. So, Buzz, you wrote an article this week kind of guesting, uh, guesstimating yeah. who those nine players are, and I thought that was fascinating reading. Yeah, so the way the rule works is that you can, you can, you can even recruit people from someone else's academy because you, you can only now – tag 45 players inside your own academy this is from the age of 15 and up um you know so there's like the other clubs can either come in and recruit players out of your actual team they have to compensate you for that one um if it's a non-tag player but a tag player they can't take at all and this idea that you could tag nine players it kind of it kind of is a rule that exists I don't think FC Dallas asked for it because the people at FC Dallas that I talked to, they actually want like no territory at all because they think they would benefit from it. But because people would want to come here because of the pathway. But uh, the rules exist for just as an example, non-specifically for guys like Blaine Ferry or Bailey Sparks that came out of solar, the Dallas would want to say like, well, those are guys in our backyard. So it applies. You can use nine guys, uh, not from your team, it only applies to when they sign for MLS and they're only on it until they're, as long as they're eligible for U19s. And then just like before, once that kid goes to college, he's sort of tapped for Dallas and someone else can't sign him out of college because he's a Dallas guy, basically, if that makes any sense to you. Um, so, you know, it, to prevent guys from going to school for like five minutes and then going and signing. Right. So like once they go into college, they remain your Academy property, if that makes sense. So, the, the, the list I put together is a mix of um, guys that I've personally seen and I know of that have been like in national team camps 
or that a scout has told me is really, really good and this guy needs to be doing it at something at a higher level or whatever, or it's going to be a, a riser. And there's a couple of guys that are actually already pros, which is, I thought, kind of fascinating um, that like because of their pros in USL or in Europe, and I know for a fact teams are tagging players in Europe that have come out of their hometown. You know, and the guy that I put on there that's in Europe is uh, Maynard Figueroa's kid, Kirol, who plays for Liverpool, right? So what's to say is what's going to happen for him in the next two years at Liverpool? And if he just, and if it doesn't work out there and he's all of a sudden like, I need a gig, why? Well, hey, FC Dallas, you know. So it's a no, real we, fascinating We know mix. we love you. Yeah. I mean, he played here for only like one year, but, you know, why not tag him, right? And then so I included Matthew Corcoran, who's at Birmingham Legion, and uh, Knight Pickering, who's at uh, Memphis 901, who are academy players that basically are doing a Jogo, but you tag them so that they can't sign for another team in MLS, mm-hmm. you know? And then it, the other one that's weird is Diego Pepe because he never played for the academy. He went from ECNL, and this is an academy-only rule. So he's gone from ECL right to North Texas. So what if somebody says, oh, I want to sign Diego Pepe? Well, you better tag him. So I put him on there, you know? And then it's just some guys from solar and dksc that i think are really talented or interesting or have been recommended to me so um it's the kind of thing that really fascinates me of course well i encourage everybody to go check that out over at uh, buzz's website it's a totally good read um real quick kit talk um you know we're now getting to see dallas i feel like we've seen dallas wear this burn baby burn Mm. white kit more times this season than i ever really wanted to the only exception to that is I really dig the little red trim on the shorts in particular. I don't know what it is about that. It's a, such a fantastic accent. And it does make me wish they would wear those white shorts with the previous powder blue um, away shirts. Yeah. Because I know be they good. kept those powder blues theoretically as a third jersey, right? That's what I was hearing, but that hasn't come to fruition. I, I wonder if we'll maybe see it um, in League's Cup or something. Yeah, because that- I they got to yeah. get rid of the MTX logo. So I wonder if they yeah. had to go, fi- yeah, they had to go finagle a load of them without a logo on it. So they could put the Southwestern or children's hospital. I mean, some people it. I know that are really dialed in told me that that was going to be the case, but I haven't seen that come to fruition. So uh, maybe that ended up not happening. I was really surprised actually at all that they went away from the powder blue because that was so successful. If it hadn't been for the, um, the, 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 uh, supply chain problems that jersey would have become the biggest selling jersey in club history not just a way jersey which it already was it would have been the biggest selling jersey period if they hadn't run out of them yeah they ran out like in three months and it still was like one of the biggest sellers of all time maybe we can get dan to mock up uh uh take a a a do a mock-up of the powder blue jersey with these cool white shorts cool. that they have this season with the red trim. I think that would look kick-ass. You know, the funny thing is the white shorts with the white jersey, I think, look terrible. Because, you know, like I, I always I, look at them from I, macro, which is the top of the stands. It just looks like a dirty white kit. It looks terrible it from the top, from TV, which is what I care about the most, right, from my eyeballs. Um, the, the black shorts are so key. And if you did black shorts with red socks, oh, now we're talking. That would be tight. But, you know. That'd be good luck, man. <laughs> Still, phone phone is waiting. The phone yeah. lines are open. Phone lines are uh, for for us to for you to call and get our opinion on on said on such things for sure. Yeah. All right, Buzz. Well, uh, you and I solo job uh, without the Dan one more time. Is he back next week? He'll be back next week. We're gonna record. The, we're gonna attempt to record after the Open Cup game on Wednesday, so we can have the that result as well as the St. Louis result. And he'll be back. You know, so uh, that. 
You mean Sometime I have a really late night sweet. Wednesday night ahead of me is what you're telling me? Yeah, well, I'm sure. I didn't look, but I think the oh, game's probably you know at what? 7. You know yeah. what? I have a concert to go to next Wednesday oh, night. No. So maybe when I get back from the concert. What time will that be? Yes. We'll, we'll play it sh- later. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to do that on the podcast. I'm going to see Ben Folds at the Kessler. I'm so excited. Oh. Um, and I think the doors, I think it'll probably be like an 8, 8.30. So I bet I'm home after about 10.30 or so. Man, I love Ben Folds. I should go with you. Well, maybe my wife will give up the seat and you can go with me. <laughs> we'll record it after the Ben Folds show. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. We'll, we'll figure that out. Or maybe yeah. we'll record it Thursday. We Who might knows? have to record Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Anything else you want to talk about? I'm trying to look at my notes. Uh, no, that's it. You know, uh, North Texas is, gonna, is quite interesting this year. That's not going super well. Their, their firing signings look to be complete flameouts for the most part. So that's not good, but how's the new coach in. working out? Any word? I don't know, man. It's hard at to least tell. nicer oh. to his players. Well, uh, yeah, I that actually, you mentioning their coach reminds me that I had something I wanted to talk about in terms of the FC Dallas and big picture today. Um, cause it's a system that fits through the whole club that's important. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack to FC Dallas. Hopefully we didn't lose the whole audience. The, um, I've talked about this before. I call it the Nico W and this is about the defensive stability that he's so finds so important, you know, and, and most of the fans might remember that Oscar Pereja liked the, and Lucci both liked modern attacking outside backs. Oscar believed in one at a time going one up and one back. Lucci was both can go, whatever. This coach likes defensive outside backs. So when they, when they're in possession, those outside backs step forward and it makes a W outside back to center back to six to center back to other outside back. It's a W mm-hmm. right. So most fans I think can recognize that in possession. They're hyper conscious of that shape and that defensive base. He does not want the outside backs to overload out of that shape super aggressively. Now, from time to time, they will. They'll they'll inch up the sideline or they'll they'll overload. But when that happens, something to look for is the eight on that side will check back and take up that outside back's position to maintain the W. So this is something fans in the stands can look for to look for that defensive rigidity and stability that I'm talking about. Even when they're in possession, they want that shape in place. So look for that eight checking out. And it happens both... Paxton and Legette both do it. Paxton more than Legette does. It happens with the first team, and they do it at North Texas. I will, I've watched both of their eights do the same kick out to where the outback has vacated that space, and I, that's when I knew that it was an ingrained organizational philosophy coming down from the first team coach. So when you ask about the North Texas coach, that's the big change is they're now playing the same way the first team is, whereas last year they weren't. You know, there's actually the players are being used in the same way. They're playing the same roles or doing the same functions in the build. The style is attempted to be the same. Now they're having some problems because the talent's not there, but you know, it's, it's nice to see the coach dialed in with the first team, which is really important. Good information, Buzz. You're welcome. Thank you. I dig that. Okay. Well, um, I think that's going to do it for another episode. Do you? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Uh, Thomas Roberts made his Columbus debut. Did we cover that last week? I think we did last week, yes. Yeah, good, good. I think we so did. I want to make sure I got that. It's near to my heart. I want to 
make sure he gets the love. <laughs> hey, when he's and, playing for the crew by the end of the season, I'm going to point it out. I'm yeah, saying, I, no. and uh, Tanner Tessman had another nice performance for Venezia, who yeah. are now solidly not going to get relegated, and they're actually, I yeah. think they're even closer now to a playoff spot, which would be ridiculous. By uh, the way, my, uh, my back burner idea for where you get a world-class six is to buy Tanner Tessman back for $4 million and make him a six. Wouldn't that be awesome to have yep. Tanner Tessman? Tanner, you think but, Tanner wants to come back to Frisco after living, living <laughs> the life he's living in venice no but if you pay him enough he might <laughs> maybe i suppose yeah yeah i mean his passing out of that spot with his defensive ability and his size his intimidation factor it'd be like matt McEwen, except way better that's a deep cut for you by the way matt McEwen. boy boy that is boy, <laughs> that is a, a deep mls version 1.0 yeah. cut yeah. if there ever was one yeah Thunderbird the podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. Make sure and shop all their stuff over there. FC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club, U.S. National Team gear. They got everything. Jersey Steve Scarves. Got that One Planet jersey, one of the best ones they've had in years. Use code ThirdDegree at checkout. 20% off. 3-R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E. 20% off. Soccer90.com. Some exclusions apply. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Buzz. Good time. Good chatting. Yeah, thanks, Peter, for hosting. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will speak to you sometime probably on Thursday next week after both uh, St. Louis and the Open Cup game against Nashville next week on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Ahsoka Tano. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. 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 Thank you.